welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Sarah Eels. She's Panasonic Avionics product manager, a gamer, and a streamer. Sarah, thanks for joining it. Thank you for having me. This podcast, we're going to be talking about the work she's done to bring esports broadcasts into in-flight entertainment options, how she's leveraged gaming to build out a niche within Panasonic, and her experiences as a woman in a male-dominated industry. But first, the elephant in the room. Panasonic Avionics deals with airline travel, one of the industries hit very hard by this outbreak of COVID-19. How have you been impacted uh, lately by the pandemic? Um, so yesterday we got our Orange County notice um, that we're closing down everything. Um, so we had a work from home policy go out. I think everything's pretty standard um, from a company perspective. Um, a lot of notices have gone out around uh, the airlines and how they're doing. Um, but we have task teams all set up for um to help airlines through this time, um, similar to like with any other pandemic or event related to airlines, um, we're pretty well equipped, um, similar to like 9-11 or swine flu. Um, we've had experiences like this before, so I think, I think we're okay. Well, that's always good to hear. It's tough for businesses in a variety of sectors. And yeah, you mentioned 9-11. That was a you know, really trying time for airlines as well, of course. And it's what people seem to keep falling back to when comparing this outbreak. I think just because it's so unprecedented that 9-11 was the last time this all felt so eerie and, and weird, sports leagues shutting down, things like that. So it's not a perfect comparison, but it feels like our, our most apt comparison of for this generation of what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, definitely. I think the airlines... Um, again, I've been through this before and, um, we do our best from, uh, a B2B directly to them, uh, to support them in any way we can. Um, just like our, our services, mainly my team is more focused on entertainment. Um, but especially, um, some of our key services like live television have, um, actually seen a growth. Um, people are trying to stay connected while they're flying and stay up to date. Um, so I think that's pretty, uh, pretty important for the airlines. It's pretty interesting seeing what's, uh, how things are changing during these times, but I ultimately am very cognizant of how much everybody's timelines and news feeds are all filled with this pandemic. And so I want to talk about things that aren't related to the coronavirus because you can get better coverage of that from actual news sources, not esports podcasts. So let's talk a little bit about the work you've done in esports and especially bringing in esports broadcast to in-flight systems. It's a really interesting move. Where were the first steps to that? And what does that look like? So I, I think it's the LCS and Fortnite you've brought into in-flight broadcasts. How did you make that happen? Yeah, so for avionics, just in general, esports is something very new um, for the industry. There's a lot of one-on-one and education that needs to happen. Um, we do have our subject matter experts within these companies. Um, but from a service perspective or entertainment, it's something people haven't really seen before. Um, so we we started about a year ago um, when we announced this product. Um, and then a couple years before that, we started um, kind of evangelizing it within the company and spreading it around. Um, we had like a small gaming club that was really interested in gaming. And um, due to some organizational changes, we were moving more towards services. Um, so I noticed as a personal 
fan of gaming and esports that there was this big gap in the market and I kind of put this business case together. I was in a completely different role um, and I kind of brought this to my leadership and was like, this is something that we need to do. Um, and with the help of a couple other um, people within the company basically created this space. Um, we started out using our existing partnerships. Um, so like you mentioned, the Fortnite World Cup, we had a partnership with IMG, um, or we, which we still have. Um, they provide our um, sports channel, which is our um, our most well-performing channel called Sport24, Sport which is broadcast live over satellite. Um, so we did the Fortnite World Cup, which um, everyone was super excited about. And then um, following up from that, LCS is one of the biggest and most premier uh, esports productions. So um, we just brought this idea to Ryan, and they were really interested in it from um, a marketing perspective, um, but as well as, you know, broadening the idea of esports to new markets just in general. Yeah, Riot loves anything they can do with expansion of the audience and delivering esports to new viewers in any way they can. So where do you think this uh, in-flight entertainment actually poses an opportunity to esports? Is I think the there's almost no more captive audience than the person sitting in, say, a 10-hour, 11-hour flight. Do you think this is a great way of introducing people to esports a little bit? Because you really have the time to sit there and uh, absorb what they're seeing? Or is this really made more for the esports fans who are already in transit and just want to consume more content? Um, so I think you've got it exactly right. It, the idea is that there is a captive audience. Um, and we do this with not just esports. We do this with all of our content ideas and any new products we bring. Um, I think it's the LCS is a very specific esport. Um, I think at first we want to cater to the fans that are there um, just to get the excitement going and then kind of expand from that. I think when people on planes see others enjoying something, um, they kind of, because when you see a seat back, you can kind of see through the seats and see what other people yeah, are watching. It's true. So it's like I've um, I've watched many like half movies on silent from other people's seats before, just like staring and you kind of see what's in and available in the interactive just by looking around. And we had a good use case. Um, I think it was last year or the year before it was um, the World Cup. Uh, one of the flights had a hundred percent take rate because everyone was looking at each other and seeing they're watching the Olympics. So all the screens eventually turned. So we're hoping that just by having it on board, the fans will see it. And then maybe the new audience will kind of grow and accept esports and kind of realize that it's not just a trend. Um, it's something that millennial demographics are looking for and interested in. Yeah, it's it was slowly reaching that point. And I actually think not to bring back to coronavirus, I got like four minutes away from it. But uh, this could be a really interesting opportunity for esports broadcasts, which are still continuing, albeit there's a some delays, some main events canceled, but they're all moving to online competition. And it could be interesting to see if uh, esports broadcasts become more in the public focus without sports on, and especially uh, in flights if people are still flying. If they are then choosing to do that when there's no live sports to watch, what else do you watch? Well, you can still watch maybe a Fortnite event, maybe Rocket League or League of Legends LCS starting back up this weekend. So it actually seems like there's some possible opportunities there for esports broadcasts. 
Uh, and Fortnite was a really interesting use case as well, which is how popular it became in mainstream culture in America. And people suddenly were like, okay, wait, I should check out this Fortnite thing because I'm hearing all about it. My kids are playing it. This ninja guy is appearing on Ellen. What are we learning about it? So I could see how the, the World Cup would actually be very interesting to watch, even if you don't really know what you're watching, just because you know it's important. Yeah, I think Fortnite for us was really important to start with because it's one of the most like demographically recognized brands just from a name perspective. Um, I think um, that was kind of what we wanted to start with and the existing partner was uh, very beneficial and I totally agree with um, the idea that now that sports are kind of on hold, that esports is going to see um, a big rise, especially I was worried that they weren't going to go to online. I was worried it was going to be just um, canceled. Um, so I'm glad that they're kind of moving to different formats. And um, I get emails, tons of emails over the last week from coworkers who like traditional sports, who have seen like tweets from basketball players saying, like, how do I get my stream setup going? Like, how mm -hmm. do I start playing games? And um, I think there is a big correlation between um, traditional sports and esports. And I think Part of my goal is to kind of educate at Panasonic and bridge that gap, um, especially for airlines who, in the airline industry, sports is massive. Um, a lot of these airlines are um, big sponsors in uh, uh, traditional sport games like F1 or the World Cup. Um, Panasonic is a big sponsor of the Olympics, so I'm kind of trying to bring that comparison to them, uh, which I think will in turn help increase that demographic and that viewership uh, in flight. That's really interesting. I was actually talking to some riot executives after the last Worlds, and they said that airlines were their biggest untapped potential area right now, and especially the uh, head of the LPL in China, because they're actually, they were doing travel, uh, not this year, obviously, but they were really looking for airline partners because it was something that really was so many different brands getting involved in esports, major fashion brands, uh, car brands, MasterCard, financial brands. Airlines were still sort of, uh, they hadn't touched the, the opportunity. And with the leagues really being very global, especially the Activision Blizzard leagues this year, it felt like a big opportunity for airlines to get involved. And now everything's on hold, obviously. But I feel like after... We return to business as normal whenever that is. Airlines will start embracing esports a little bit more. And this really feels like one of the first steps into uh, esports partnerships for various airlines. Having one of their, their in flight entertainment options start broadcasting esports is a step towards that. Yeah, I think um, we've, we've seen a little bit of opportunity of that. It's again, it's, it's a lot of education that needs to happen. Um, they still sometimes call them e-games. It's something that um, oh, no. they just, it's a it's very one-on-one, but I think um, we've seen some uh, uh, examples of, of people in airlines who are really willing to innovate and look at new types of content um, and look into things. Like we brought up the idea of like, do you want to sponsor teams? Do you want to sponsor organizations? Um, how can we, you know, tie these together and create some kind of marketing uh, collaboration, um, how can we get people flying? And so I think there's lots of opportunities. And as part of Panasonic, that's kind of my main focus um, is to just bring all these companies together and create these cool opportunities. Um, and then from there, we're going to see uh, lots of growth uh, 
I like you said the airline is like the untapped like new frontier of like content captive audience. Um, there's mm-hmm. tons of like sponsorship potential and advertising. Um, it's very similar to like cruise ships, like you're very captive. Um, we have the same sports channels on aircraft that we do on cruise ships. Um, so there's a lot of areas for, I think as millennials are traveling more and we're the ones with, um, you know, the, the growing, uh, working force and things like that. Um, I think we're going to see a shift from, uh, entertainment that focuses on just a blanket general need and kind of focusing on specific, um, asks because people, want to have the same kind of experience that they have at home and my demographic um, and my I guess interest genre is uh, specifically looking for esports and wanting to stay connected um, so that's what we're trying to drive is there also part of it with this generation you mentioned how millennials are taking over millennials are also cord cutting in a lot of ways and moving away from cable is that part of the reason why esports really works here because you're delivering something to, to people who might might not be used to watching just live television and channel surfing. They're so used to streaming platforms that esports gives them a product that they're already seeking out and helps really hit that generation that's already sort of moving away from live TV in general. Do you think that's one of the, the benefits of it? Yeah, I think so. We deliver the live TV um, over satellite, but it appears as kind of an on-demand kind of experience. Um, but we offer content in very different ways. Um, the goal would be to offer a well-rounded gaming experience. So you could have games that you play on the seat back while you're watching something on your personal device or uh, reverse, or you're connected to your Wi-Fi experience while you're, you're tweeting from your phone while you're watching a live esports event on the seat back. So we're kind of looking at all the different ways that people naturally uh, interact with the seat back, just like they would at home, um, and creating that uh, that demographic specific experience interesting the second screen viewing is uh, is a pretty interesting thing to do for airlines i have like my offline games i like only play on on planes but uh it's it's cool to see the idea of like hey we can really build out a true entertainment experience sitting from the seat and that'll make people want to to fly more if they can if it doesn't feel like such a hassle and they can sit there and they can consume the content they want to consume. Yeah. We don't want it to be some like an experience you have to get through. We want it to be something that you enjoy doing um, and not, um, you know, you're not counting down the minutes until it ends. You're kind of imagine playing like a story driven game on the seat back and you're tweeting from your phone and you switch to a live TV experience. Um, We want it to be something enjoyable and help airlines deliver that for their passengers. That's really cool. Back to the games that you're choosing to focus. I was a little bit surprised to see Fortnite and LCS. While it works for the audiences, definitely. They're both very complicated esports compared to some other ones, maybe some shooters, which gets into a whole nother range or Rocket League or sports sims. You think it's a little difficult for someone to see what's going on i i think of like the late game in Fortnite where there's like 25 people all stacked on top of each other how do you help make the uh the situation a little more viewable on an airplane screen is there anything you could do to make that easier to digest for somebody watching on i I don't know what the dimensions of a screen are but they can't be more than you know eight inches ten inches 
Yeah, we have screens that are 16 inch. Um, some of the screens in obviously first class are a lot bigger. Um, but I wouldn't know. the reason <laughs> I just walk past them as I go back to the economy seats. Um, but um, we picked LCS because of the premium nature, but also the regularness of their broadcast. So it it's the one that I think most mim- like mimics traditional sports as like a big partnership. Um, but there's also different things that we do with IMG. I think they're there's everyone has different ways they like to consume esports, and everyone has different um, favorite esports and different types. Um, I do know Fortnite is very hard to watch. It's very like quick cutting um the camera's like constantly moving around and everyone's stacked on each other you can't really see who's died or who's alive sometimes um but i'm hoping that with a dual screen experience would be kind of cool so you could like keep up with scores on your phone while in the seat back or um you know kind of again that well-rounded experience where we have you know we've looked at rocket league which again is a very popular esport which i think would do well um because of like uh, soccer being so world globally known um, and it's a little bit easier to see um, but it's just about availability of content and um, you know acceptance in the market we're kind of just slowly ramping up and I think later this year and into next year we're going to see a lot of big things definitely and I should make it clear the Fortnite issue is not related just to a small screen you could watch that on a 72 inch tv and still be pretty lost with Uh, some of the stuff that's going on. And that's just people not really sure how to broadcast battle royales in general. There's so many different moving parts in one of those broadcasts. So I don't want to make it seem like that's an airline specific issue, but it's just a Fortnite and battle royale specific broadcast issue there. Yeah, there's definitely, I think I was, which one was I at? The one before the World Cup. I went to the actual stadium and I was watching on their huge jumbo screen. And even then I was still kind of like, watching um trying to figure out who was still alive and who wasn't um i think they're figuring it out i think there's it's going to get better over time um but again yeah um i do understand that the smaller screen it makes it a little especially for people who aren't familiar with the game um there's always going to be that learning curve um in league of legends i think the casters do a good job of kind of explaining that but again from someone who's completely new to esports it might uh be totally jarring so we're kind of um, thinking about doing like, how do we do consumer marketing on the ground? How do we, you know, maybe in the gates or the lounges, how do we like familiarize people with that it's available, but also what it is and why it's valuable? That'd be really cool. And you're right. The League of Legends casters are doing a great job. It's actually been a change in motivation for them over the last couple of years, uh, focusing more on bringing people in and I know they've talked about actually doing two separate broadcasts one for the the very hardcore enthusiast the person who plays the game all the time and another for the casual fan which could be interesting but right now they're trying to find that middle ground and they're doing a really good job of it I've never really played league but over the last worlds I was getting really into it I feel like I got a good idea of the meta and how the games work and how games play out and that's all thanks to the casters so it really comes down to just education there but it's something esports as a whole has struggled with is how do you make this understandable to the casual viewer uh, in the way that sports has become but that took years and years and years to to get to that point yeah i think overwatch has done a good job i think they've been a good example of uh how to bring new players to esports 
um, and also tying in with traditional sports. I think they've done a great job as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. I want to talk a little bit about gaming within Panasonic. So you mentioned this group you've gotten it uh, said over 200 people in the group. Where does you see gaming play in to these different technology companies and how is it you know, impacted the company's future? Where do you see gaming and Panasonic overlapping in the future? Just from an employee perspective, we have a lot of fans of retro gaming. Um, we have a lot of fans of gaming hardware. I think Panasonic um, mimicking Nintendo in a way where they have were very hardware focused in the in the beginning, um, and just being a Japanese company, um, I think we have a lot of fans of gaming. Um, we so the two hundred people is from this uh, Yammer group that we have. Um, it started out as me just creating it and adding probably thirty people uh, from marketing and different groups. Um, but then it just kind of naturally grew to 200 participants. Um, I think it's at 250 or something like that. Um, but I started doing uh, monthly uh, Friday lunches where we all kind of just book a conference room and play Nintendo Switch. And there's a lot of people there that have never played games before that I kind of get them to go because there's like snacks and things. And we all just kind of hang out and play games together, um, which is I think it's really fun to kind of get the product known throughout the company, but also just, uh, you know, Uh, create a kind of culture of gaming in the company. Um, Besides that, I think the strategy of gaming is not something new from avionics, but I think the way we're doing it is new. I think we want to do things that are different um, from the past, uh, trying to change Bejeweled and everything like that to something more innovative. Hmm. Definitely. My my Switch is going to get me through these quarantines. That's like my saving grace right now. I, I just got my... Animal Crossing Switch delivered like right before this podcast. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm going to break my quarantine to go out and get Animal Crossing and a new controller and probably Mario Party so my girlfriend and I can go crazy playing games together. <laughs> I'm super excited to open it. It's awesome to see when you create gaming groups in companies and just how many people flock to them. Uh, it's something that I saw in college and I've seen in other groups I've been a part of and other companies I've been a part of where someone's like, oh, I'm a gamer. And then everyone looks at me and is like, oh, I am too. And it's really cool to get together. And then it creates like this unique innovation as well about all the different ways that the company can then interact with the gaming world. Uh, I saw it happen secondhand at Nike for a while. And now Nike is really getting into the esports space uh, sponsoring LPL team jerseys and a Jordan Fortnite partnership and it's a company that you wouldn't naturally assume to have a ton of gamers but then once one pops out of the woodwork and creates an infrastructure suddenly hundreds of people are flocking to it so it's always a cool thing to see within major companies is just how many people are gamers and what can come out of it when the gamers get together and put the company uh, at the forefront. Yeah, we've seen a lot of, um, we had like a little chat group before E3 got canceled, um, unfortunately, but everyone was, last year we had like, I think a group of 10 or more all drive up together and go to E3, um, and there was lots of pictures, one of our, um, one of my coworkers uh, got a picture with the voice of Mario, so there is a lot of excitement around gaming, and I think it it only does us good for the products that we're trying to serve, Um, I think it uh, motivates them and excites them to see new services coming up uh, within their own company. 
Yeah, definitely. So I want to switch gears a little bit. We're coming up on 30 minutes of talking, which has been great. Uh, and I want to ask you, it's a it's a tough question. It's something I'm very cognizant of a gender disparity I even have on my podcast. I've interviewed a lot more men than women. And I really want to change that. And so I was, I was excited when you reached out to me to be on the show. Uh, but I'm curious what your experiences have been personally about that gender disparity in the gaming world and what we can do to hopefully uh, empower uh, women to, to be a bigger voice within esports and within the gaming world. Yeah, so um, I know in the past, I think there's been a lot of, um, I think there has always been that gender, dis- I think there's women who have always been playing games. I think it's just kind of been like this silent group um, but I think over time, it's gotten uh, more of an open issue. Um, I think, um, so personally, myself, I used to work at GameStop, and I've seen a lot of this firsthand um, from a retail perspective of having just to kind of mask it and roll with the punches of um, people questioning uh, my knowledge of gaming. Uh, if I am a gamer, I've had a lot of dads come in and say, like, hey, are you actually a gamer? Like, you can tell me, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. I play these games, and then um, it's just a lot of questioning of knowledge that I've seen personally. Um, I think there's been a lot of uh, companies and especially esports organizations that I think have done a really good job of uh, promoting their own uh, uh, female leadership. Um, so I know Cloud9 has done a really good job, Hunter Thieves. Um, I have some close friends that are at those companies um, that have done a lot of like talks. And I think the most important thing is for uh, women to find mentors and create these uh, spaces of open communication, but then also for men of the industry to come in um, and be part of that as well, not just having a closed group of just women. I think it's important for uh, men in the industry to hear what's been uh, happening in the past and how we can come together and kind of, um, you know, just make it more equal, make it better, um, don't silence voices that are having issues. Um, And I think there's a lot of gaming companies that um, just in the past, uh, we've seen a lot of improvements and more um, like uh, clarity and openness of what's been going on. Um, So I'm really happy to see that there's been um, changes. I know um, in the past, you know, there's the, the main example about girls are afraid to use microphones and talk in games. And I think uh, I've personally always trended towards games that are solo or don't need microphones, um, but I think I'm trying to make myself more out there and um, kind of be that front leader for anyone who uh, maybe it's, needs uh, it, support in that area. Yeah, whenever whenever a, a guy doesn't understand that issue, the, the microphones in chat, I'm like, you've been there. You've been in a voice com when a girl gets in there and you've heard the the horrible comments directed to them. How do you not see how that would affect you when that's every single lobby you've been in and it's directed at you? Of course, that has an effect. And, you know, I've even trended to games that are less voice acted because I don't like the abuse when I make a mistake. And I can't even imagine just having that abuse hurled constantly without anything without you doing anything besides talking it's 
such a clear yeah. issue and it baffles me when guys don't understand why that's an issue and why that alienates women from these games yeah it, i think it's just, him. I think it's important to focus on the good experiences that you do have with voice chat um, and kind of try to ignore the negative because I think it's going to be there for a long time and there's always going to be people that are kind of just aggressive in general in gaming. Um, but I think the majority is nice. I just think they need to step up and kind of be that vocal majority. Um, I've had experiences in Overwatch where I play with like some of the times when I go on voice um, and I kind of put myself out there I've had one experience where there's a little kid and he's like excited to hear a girl playing games and he'll let me he's he'll let me play which role I want and he's excited to um uh you know just hear like that there's there's girls that are playing this game too um and I've had people that are really polite and nice um but there is that you know just like YouTube comments there's always those small majorities that really kind of get to you you just gotta put those away and don't look at it kind of ignore it yeah, it's easy to be uh, colored by the, the bad experience and then forget all the good ones. But that's just human nature. I think a little bit it's the one that sticks with you. One of the really cool trends in esports is more women really winning major co-ed tournaments. And 2019 actually had a ton of them. Mm -hmm. I covered them in a podcast a little while ago, but I'll run through some of the really great moments. Uh, Tina Reyes won TwitchCon Fortnite tournament. Uh, Simone Lim just recently won a junior Pokemon tournament and she's yep. seven years old so it's like 16 and under That's and she exciting. won at the age of seven it was just awesome super super wholesome moment uh, Hearthstone has two female champions in the last 365 days which has been really cool to see as well and I just love and I think this is going to really help is having that female representation at the top levels and winning tournaments because it's hard to the the not a real gamer thing like you mentioned your experience at GameStop falls away when women are just beating the crap out of men at the highest levels and so that's something I'm really excited to see into this next decade is how this generation of women who's been gaming for their whole lives and has some more female role models uh, will really start dominating in in various esports so I'm really excited for those moments and I think there's going to be more and more of them coming up yeah I think it's super inspiring I've I was actually super lucky to be at some of those events um so I saw Tina at TwitchCon and then I saw um I've been at a couple of the Hearthstone events where they participated um so I think it's really cool I think esports a female succeeding in esports and then also streaming is another thing um that kind of motivates me to put myself out there to stream um yeah and it's really it's exciting the growth that we've seen yeah, I think it's been pretty awesome. And so I'm really excited to see how everything develops. It's a really complicated time in the world right now. But uh, for esports, I think esports is on the right track and doing most things right. There's still plenty of problems in the industry. Let's not <laughs> cover those up. But we're it seems to be on the right track towards more inclusion, more diversity, uh, and more popularity, more mainstream appeal. So that's all good stuff. Uh, Sarah... What what do you want to say about Panasonic Avionics uh, work they're doing coming up? Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug? Um, I would say to airlines, keep an eye out on what we're offering. Um, uh, I would say passengers, um, keep an eye on the LCS. We'll let you know as soon as when uh, the first airline takes it. 
Um, we've got a lot of good things coming from a playable interactive game perspective. Um, hopefully the virus goes away and we can do a lot of the live television events that we're looking towards um, for sports because that's really interesting. I think 2020 was planned to be one of the biggest years in sports, so that's kind of a bummer, but we're, uh, we're going to do some really good things this year regardless. Awesome. I'm really excited. And once I actually can take a flight again, I'll definitely be looking for those in-flight esports options, consume some LCS content, maybe some Fortnite content as well, and hoping you expand into some other titles. So that's all for this podcast. That was Sarah Eels, Panasonic Avionics product manager, a gamer, and a streamer. Do you want to plug your stream? What's your uh, Twitch name? My Twitch handle is More Chips, please. M-O-R Chips, P-L-S. I love it. I love it. It's a great name. <laughs> so check out her channel as well. I'll, I'll link it in the bio so you can go over there. And uh, what games do you like to stream? Um, usually Final Fantasy, Pokemon. I really like indie games. I think I want to spotlight them as much as possible. Um, so I play a lot of games, uh, indie games. I mean, Animal Crossing. I'm an Animal Crossing main now. So there you go. That's the move. I was looking at getting uh, the new Pokemon titles. I haven't I haven't played a Pokemon game in a while, and now feels like a good time to throw myself into that world. Uh, would you Sword recommend the newest ones? Yeah, Sword and Shield is fantastic. Um, they're always doing. I think it's good for two people. Um, so if you each get one, um, and then I haven't played Mystery Dungeon yet, but I have a copy of it sitting right next to me, so I'm really excited. That's exciting. It's the one benefit of. This outbreak is just the most unfiltered video game time and uh, you can't feel bad about just playing games all day long. So that's the goal. I'm almost done with Breath of the Wild and I'm ready to move on to Pokemon uh, at Sarah's suggestion. Check her out on Twitch. I'll be I'll be viewing her as well because, my lord, I need content. I need to do stuff. So uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, Sarah. It was great talking to you and we'll be back later this week. With more Esports Networks podcast, probably going to do an episode focused on the coronavirus, but still looking to lock down a good guess for that. So thank you all for listening.